What's going on, everyone? We are back with the NML Pickleball Podcast. Uh, I am Chris Ross, aka Gritty, and I've got Jeremy here to my right. Jeremy, aka Slim, how are you doing, Jer? Living the dream, Chris. Living the dream every day. We actually haven't seen each other for a number of days, which is that's pretty unusual. So we we haven't had that much time to talk about anything. So this might be this is going to be one of the like we texted, of course, a little bit, but we haven't seen each other in what since last. I don't know since we did we saw each other Wednesday and we didn't even talk. Yeah, I don't know. I really hate it when producer Alyssa steals you away from me. So it's always a little jealous, but well, I'll get over it. We've got the jabs going early from producer Alyssa, who's pretending to smile right now. But I think that was a shot to the heart. Shot to the heart. <laughs> I'll don't, save I think the we get away the singing. <laughs> wow, that that hurts. So we've got a lot. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. There's, there's just a ton. Like there's, there's always seems like there's a ton going on. Uh, we we wrote in the takeaways. If anyone hasn't read it yet, go read our takeaways. Uh, we'll probably get into some of that stuff. But there's just a whole whack of stuff going on. So I don't know if there's anywhere that you want to start first. I didn't really have any plan for today. You're the one that always has the topic and schedule. So <laughs> okay, well we, maybe we'll talk about. So there's a lot that happened in in uh where where'd they play this weekend in fountain valley california we have been to los cab we were there in march of 2020 right before covid hit we played the california open and we some of the guys who were playing in the california open were playing this weekend uh at fountain valley where los cab did not have a single pickleball court in 2020 but they have i think it was i heard 33 pickleball courts now in uh, like for this event, they have 33 pickleball courts. Yeah, these times are changing for sure. So maybe we'll start with the guy who was there at the 2020 California Open. He didn't medal, I don't think, at the California Open in 2020, but he got a gold at the PPA Takea Showcase in uh, this year. So it's Gabe Joseph, baby curios. What, where, where the heck did that, that even come came, from? That, that came from the clouds for sure. I wrote about it a bit today, but you look at... He's actually played more tournaments than I thought this year. He's played the majority of the PPAs, but he's only been playing singles. And it's basically being two and two days and it just in my mind at least it looked like kind of the new talent had kind of passed him by you saw a lot of losses to the Connor Garnett and Jami of the world this year and I just didn't think really he had another level um that he could get to we did have him as late as last year ranked number seven in our singles rankings but I, I wouldn't have had him near the top 10, I think, if we were doing it uh, before this weekend. So that is probably the most random gold medal of the year. Yeah, I I, I was surprised because I went back to our singles rankings. I knew we'd had him in there and we haven't done rankings. We're planning on doing rankings. We're going to do them at some point coming out here. But I I looked back because I was curious and we had him last August number seven and that that was surprising to me because things just man it changes so much you have uh, we're gonna get skewered on some of these pronunciations but I, I don't know if it's Wame or it's Martinez Vic they, these guys just look better than him and Gabe did you see him uh, did you see him fact check Cameron Blackwood live? I miss that actually I I can't. Can't fault Cameron too much, although it is her job because we got the Marshall Brown thing wrong. So yeah, I, I'm I, still a little <laughs> scarred by that. But it was it was funny. So so we, I was watching and Cameron's like, "Are we going to see you more on tour this year or something like that?" And Gabe's like, "I got to fact check you. I played whatever number of PPAs this year, and that surprised me. I didn't I didn't realize he's played that many. I think the he thanked his the Ace Paddles." Uh, person I think who's who's sponsoring him but like he, he played we saw him in Seattle and he played Ben Johns close 11 something 12 10 and he played them close and it's like okay Gabe yeah he can play like he's always been able to play but his game seems basically the same when I like 
when you see him in Seattle, it's basically the same guy who drives pretty much every ball really well in his backhand and his forehand. And then there he is beating, he beat, he got, well, Yates beat Ben, which was fortunate. That was his only really break of the day, though. If you look at it, he had to start his day with Pablo, yeah, which but, is not. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Which is not an easy first round matchup, obviously. And then he had to take on Connor Garnett in the second round. And we know Connor has been on an absolute heater in singles. He just squeaked that one out in three games. And then he gets the break of he has to play Yates Johnson instead of Ben Johns. But Yates is still a very good singles player. And then he has to follow up Yates by taking on Tyson McGuffin. And then on Sunday there, we saw him beat Fed. Like, that is a gauntlet. And I think it speaks to the depths of the singles uh, draws in the men these days. But I just thought he could beat one or two of those guys in a day maybe. But I didn't think he could beat five guys of that caliber in a row. So I, I was what I was about to say when I interrupted you was I turned the, the stream on on Thursday when he was playing Pablo. I think it was on center court. And he's down like 9-2 or 9-3. I think he was down 9-1 actually. But when I turned it on, I'm like, oh, of course Pablo is like beating Gabe. Okay, that's not a big surprise. And then he comes back and he comes back to win, I think, 12-10 or something. And, and then he just rolls and he goes through the rest of the day. But, but I, you know, I sure didn't. Uh, oh, oh <laughs> we got producer Alyssa. Uh, what am I saying? Pa- Pablo? Yes. I've been, we've been saying Pablo. Someone commented on the YouTube uh, of all things. And I looked at it today and he was saying Pablo Tejas. I've been saying Pablo. We've been saying Pablo. Okay. So I should probably just apologize <laughs> in advance for my name pronunciations. I'll do my best. But <laughs> so I forgot. So, so it, but it's, it's wild that Gabe, like, you know, again, you think he can beat one or two of these guys, but he's been doing it a long time. I, I don't think you're going to suddenly see Gabe winning medals at the PPAs. He's probably just going to go back to his old results, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think he's one of these guys and maybe there's a few of them that have the potential to do it. One thing that I think is a little interesting, and I'm not sure about this, but is do you think Gabe has a slight advantage over some of these guys in that he's only playing for singles? And I presume only probably really training for singles. I know that's something people have been talking about, especially after Leia made comments about focusing on doubles. But I, I was actually just thinking that, and I hadn't thought of it before just how we started talking here, but that I think this tournament Gabe really benefited from not... Like, he's not burned out. He's been playing tournaments. But look at the guys, some of the guys he's beating. So he's beating Connor Garnett, who played, I think that's four tournaments in a row. He played Beer City. Federico played Beer City. Uh, You know, Pablo played Beer City. You have a lot. And then that's the four tournaments in a row stretch. It's Or you're playing three of the four PPAs. It's a grind. So him playing singles... He is at an advantage at the, you know, the end of this long stretch of, of tournaments or this, you know, we've got another tournament in two weeks. So, so guys like him, if you're just playing singles, which I, I don't, there's not really many contenders who are just playing singles. Are there right now? No, no one really comes to mind. Like Martinez Vic is, is playing doubles, at least men's doubles. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody is playing doubles these days. I can't think of anybody really in the men's game that is just playing singles. Like, I guess you've got, like, the fads and stuff of the world playing just singles. But I think of your, like, contenders, he's definitely the only one. Frank Anthony Davis have a bronze recently. Did Did he pick up a bronze, or was that... Am I misremembering that? I think you're misremembering that, but I could be wrong. Okay, that, the fact checkers can let us know. Okay. Yeah, Jay uh, Jay the flying, flying Frenchman, he responded to our tweet on, or it's not a tweet, it's a post on X, the, the Twitter, the Twitter machine, where he responded to our, our, our tweet about this being a really random result saying he expects more of these results to come and clarified it seemed like he's thinking singles 
I, I don't think he's wrong about that. I think we're going to continue just to see random singles results. But uh, I thought it was interesting that he thought it was... Uh, he, want, he wanted to chime in and say that. Yeah, and I think that's something that's interesting because it sounds good. And we do see these random singles results. Like we have Gabe. We had Colin Schick earlier this year in one of his first tournaments ever go from the qualifiers to championship Sunday and stuff. But I think it was at all. Oh, it has to have been Josh Gartman because who else would be tweeting <laughs> this? But uh, he tweeted that um, Gabe was actually the first lowest seed this year to win gold in singles. And the previous lowest seed to win gold was the five seed J.W. Johnson. So right, I saw that. I'm I not that. sure that there's as much like kind of variance at the very top of singles as we think there is. It's still the top couple guys winning week in, week out. I think it's with those that next tier guy, there's a lot of variance. And, you know, with the new tennis players and things coming in all the time, that's so often the guys that we see getting beat. Yeah, I think the, this, the gold is what's so weird about this result. I wouldn't be crazy shocked him getting to get into a semis would have been surprising, but it's him getting to a gold medal. So I think that's, that's the big thing about this. Uh, I, we've got a fact check here from producer Alyssa, just that Fad got a bronze at the U.S. Open. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, sorry, Fad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, easy to forget. Uh, one thing, actually, I just wanted to mention is uh, I think there needs to be an adjustment by the PPA kind of with these men singles draws getting deeper and deeper i think they can't keep giving all the ppa tour card especially the double specialist uh entry into the main draw of the singles like we saw this weekend i don't know how many points sam query has but something tells me sam probably doesn't have enough (laughs) points to qualify for the main draw eric lang played Singles for the first time, I presume to get practice for MLP, which is smart. But those guys are sitting in the main draw. And then you've got guys like Avatar Baller, who's... Ball bender. Ball bender. I'll get it one day. Um, Who's, you know, made like a championship Sunday, has won an APP, and and definitely has to have more PPA points than those guys. And he's sitting in the qualifier, and is also getting a lower seed as a result in those draws. I think that's something they've got to look at and clean up i also think that i i agree like kong duong getting uh having to qualify after he's made a semi-final when you've got query and lang in the main draws is pretty ridiculous because uh i think it it, it also doesn't serve i don't know if sam query wants to play a main draw i don't think like eric lang wants to get singles practice maybe he doesn't want to get to the venue that early or you know you have to play the qualifier on wednesday but i think it doesn't serve them as well from an experience standpoint to to have to play the main draw query went and played ryan sherry and and lost pretty badly first round lang played someone good and lost i think lang played uh, lang played sherry i believe oh lang played sherry sorry i forgot who query query played did maybe he got a win actually i don't remember but anyway i i think sometimes it might serve these guys better if they just want experience to play the qualifier and get reps in rather than just get get these tough first round matchups but it's funny we spent the first whatever however many minutes of this podcast talking about singles and not that long ago people were asking whether we should take singles out and we had the great storyline with Gabe this weekend and then we had uh, Hurricane Tyra Black getting gold herself in, in women's singles which was fun for a number of reasons and maybe not so fun for other people but I mean like what a what a rise for her being a few months ago, losing zero and zero to Annalie Waters. And this weekend, she beats Annalie Waters and then wins a gold in a softer field with Aunt Parento or Leia Jansen. But still, hey, a gold is a gold. And she beat the best player in the world who's been beaten once this year. So what do you make of uh, old Tyra? Yeah, it's impressive, obviously. You go from five months ago, you're 
going zero and zero in your first pro tournament to Anna Lee to beating her uh, this week. And obviously Tyra is somebody who, who I think has a lot of room still to grow in the game. A lot of tennis players we see come in and their ground strokes in particular look very smooth early in pickleball. I actually didn't think in particular her forehand, but overall that Tyra's strokes look great when we saw her playing Anna Lee in that first tournament but you know they're coming along and her raw physical tools are probably as good or better than any other female player out there right now you just look at her movement and I think that's something obviously it wasn't Anna Lee's best day out there but where she can give Anna Lee trouble is she can just get more balls back than pretty much any other uh, woman out there and she also obviously just has in terms of the doubles game as well the fast hands and power but I think she's really still just scratching the surface yeah the, the athleticism is what really stands out with her I think the there's two other probably underrated things with her one I think is her maturity she just seems to be a more mature person the way she handled the Annalie Waters reaction situation which we can talk a little bit more about in, in a second here but the other thing that might be underrated could be her work ethic which it's one thing we talked about it last week these guys that you know you can play a lot but how focused is your play are you treating it like a professional athlete she has been a professional athlete and she knows how to be a professional athlete I think when she talks about working hard and playing all the time this is just speculation but she could be working harder or being more focused than a lot of these players out there who are out there you can be out there for five hours but if you're you know just you know whatever you know not 100 percent all in like kwang duong or something it's not the best practice and i i even look she i don't know if this means anything but she had the there was one picture that the ppa had put up and she is like she's jacked like people talk about callie being jacked like tyra she's jacked and like, so where is she putting in the work off the court that a lot of these other women aren't putting in? And I think those things could be underrated for her. It's a new corner, Gritty's jacked corner, secretly <laughs> jacked corner, but... I don't know if it's secret, but uh, try to avoid too much. But I, I just thought she's... Yeah, I think that it's just maybe indicative that she's been... She knows how to grind and, and that's going to serve her and that's allowing her to get better like really fast on top of her supreme physical talent compared to these women in the sport right now for sure and do you think leia jansen might have had any regrets when she sees anna lee lose unexpectedly this weekend about not being in the field that probably could have set up not to take anything away from tyra but as a potential easy gold for leia who went podium missed the podium again in doubles this weekend probably some regret i have to imagine you, you have to have some regret but i don't know if it's you can say necessarily be an easy podium she she'd have to play tyra potentially and she she clearly likes tyra so but i i, I have to like she was coaching helping to coach tyra in the quarterfinal against anna lee but uh i i i have to think there's some regret there how can there not be yeah i just think you want to keep yourself in the mix you know, the, I, I want to mention this as well because I'd forgotten that uh, Dominic Schaefer played Tyra Black 6-10, like 11-6, she lost 11-6, 12-10 in, in the match before uh, Tyra played Anna Lee. So I thought that was interesting. I just did look back at the results today and I didn't remember seeing that because sometimes you just see a loss and you move on, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, another potentially talented incoming singles player, though I'm not sure she's grinding to the <laughs> level of Tyra. Might not be grinding to the same level. We we have to talk about it. I, I wrote my piece about it on Thursday uh, about Annalie's reaction. And for those of you that might have missed it, if you're listening to this, you, you probably didn't miss it. But Annalie had a situation... had. Probably one of the weirder reactions you'll ever see from a professional athlete to losing a match where she uh, she she's down. She won the first game. She or no, lost the lost first, first game. game. Right. I think she was down big in the first game, came back, lost 11-8, then 
kind of rolled in game two, 11, two or three. Yeah. And you kind of figured that it was just going to go the way most of these matches go with Annalie, but then just didn't have it again in game three. Yeah. And then, so it's 10, she's down 10, three and it's match point for, for hurricane. And Annalie comes to the net and she hits a backhand like 10 feet out or even farther out. And then she, Raises her hands in what if you didn't know what was going on, she's raising her hands like she's celebrating. And then apparently we've heard that she was saying something along the lines of thank you, thank you, thank you for beating me to to Tyra. And then she when she taps paddles, she then uh, goes towards Lee, her mom, tosses her paddle to her mom and then runs off the court and then raises her hands again as she's running off the court like she's celebrating. Uh, It's one of the. The, like the oddest things I've seen, and I, I you know, I, I wrote about it, and it was one of the. It was a tough thing for me to to grapple with because, you know, she she doesn't have some some of the most uh, the best reactions typically when she doesn't lose very much, but she's not the the best at dealing with that in the past. But to me, this one was so it was really different, and it felt like something that was just. It made me feel sympathy. It made me feel sad for her. It made me feel like this teenager has feels like she's got all the weight of the world on her. And I, I don't know, she's having this completely uh, completely odd reaction to, to losing her first singles match in, in months and losing her first match in seven tournaments. Yeah, to be honest, this situation just kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. I get real kind of child star vibes with Anna Lee. She's, I think, living at this point a fairly sheltered life. We kind of touched on that a bit in, on our last podcast. And then you factor in that she basically only knows success and only until recently really have had everybody cheering for her and supporting her. But now the crowds are getting kind of tired of her winning all the time. So they're starting to root against her. And she's basically a kid who doesn't know how to handle that. And I think at least to some degree, that is what we saw like unfold there on Thursday. And I honestly just hope she's getting kind of the support she needs in life to deal with these things. Yeah, and I, I think it's worth mentioning that there once uh, the article got posted, uh, there was some we had people reach out to us. There were there's two different theories floating around that is just that tries to provide some explanation for what happened. One of which is that this is the one that's I think more often like that's being or the the primary theory, which was Lee was trying to get her to have better body language and be more positive. And this was her reaction to her mom saying, be more positive. And it was like, look, am I being positive enough now? Am I being positive enough now? So that was one. The, the other one that had, had been sent to us or, or people messaged us about was that just that this was her reaction to everyone cheering for Tyra and she's, she's cheering for Tyra as well. So it, regardless of what it is and what the reason for it, I think it's just it's yeah. It may, I think uncomfortable is the right word. It's 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 uncomfortable watching because I think you're seeing someone struggle with dealing with with this thing, and you you wouldn't feel that. I think if it was Ben, I would be I'd be laughing about it was Ben. But Ben's Ben's an adult, and yes, we have to treat you know your profession. I say this to you. I've said this to you a bunch of times. Which you're a professional athlete. You want to be a professional athlete. You better be ready to be treated like a pro athlete. Yeah, I think you and I have slightly different takes on that. Because you don't get to necessarily choose that your athletic development and your personal social development are on the same path. So you can athletically be much further ahead than where you are on those other levels. And I think especially in something like pickleball, you don't really have a choice about holding back and not playing pro. Yeah, I and what I was going to say is, and I felt like that with other, I, didn't, I don't feel like that with this one though. I think that this situation, it, it's clear like you can't treat her the same and, and judge her the same way that you would judge say Ben Johns with this one or, or if she was 23 years old uh, or she was Ben's age, right? It's, it's not the same thing. So it's just, 
is is a tough situation and i yeah and you just hope that she's got the support to deal with it i i, I wrote in the takeaways uh, that we posted it's you know we're on tuesday today but i i did think the social media posts from from her mom and her which i'm sure was uh, assisted by her her team I'm sure she didn't just post on her own. I just, I thought they were a bit weird and robotic. And uh, I, it also, again, made me uncomfortable and it didn't feel like, feel like real to me. But uh, I'm hoping that that's not, not a trend of things for her yeah. because it's got to be a tough life for her. Yeah. You know, I have the same kind of sentiments on this. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, this is just on the Annalie topic. It reminds me, I was watching because we were at, I was, we didn't see each other this weekend because I was away seeing my, my parents. And the, my dad doesn't, I've gotten my dad playing pickleball, but he has, he has really no interest in professional pickleball, which is, I think, par for the course for most people. It's despite how interested I am in pickleball and that I got him into pickleball. He doesn't care to watch pickleball, but as an older gentleman, he will watch pickleball when it is on TV now. So we had it on CBS and we recorded it and we were watching on Sunday, uh, the mixed match. And I just, uh, I pointed out to him that, that I said, well, listen to the sound of, uh, of the, the teenage girl, Annalise Paddle. And he was, he was, uh, he was also blown away by it. He, he doesn't listen to the podcast. I think he listened to the first one, but he has no idea what's going on. But he, even he, it was just, it was interesting that I thought that he was, uh, he was like, on the dinks, why does it sound like that? Yeah, no, it, it's funny that Paddle comment got a lot of traction and jimmy miller there felt no uh problem running with our take <laughs> and giving a no shout out so thanks jimmy but um <laughs> wait, wait wait before you move on i want to say or what are you gonna say well i was also just gonna say bob there uh, i'm more devastated to learn that bob hasn't listened to the second episode <laughs> of our podcast yet so. he, he doesn't know what's going on uh i i I actually have to say, because these things bother me more than they bother you, but G- Jimmy Miller's done a really good job of saying things that people aren't willing to say, and that's what's like gotten them bigger. But you can't go out there and say the take about Annalise Paddle Sound and bring it up like you're the guy that brought it up. That's like... Like, you can't do that. Like, you, uh, you brought it up first, yeah, not him. Yeah, and we know he's the, dis- the, the Discord there had been uh, posting it on their different socials. So we know he was aware that the, that take was out there from us. So yeah. it was a little disappointing from Jimmy. Yeah, it was a little disappointing. Say our names. Say, say our names. Yeah, people won't know what that means. Uh, what else What else we want to talk about here? We, we got... Uh, Ben Johns, is he the goat? He's still <laughs> clearly the best uh, men's player out there, and I think the gap hat is, if anything, only growing. It's certainly not shrinking. Literally, he was almost playing thingles at times there this weekend in men's doubles with the hobble call and standing a few feet off the line on the sidelines, and, and a few feet. He well, was like, like well, I guess in the transitionary when he was dinking, he was standing farther back than Altoff Merchant does. I was trying to be nice, but yes. Uh, um, and he still, like, I know they had a couple close matches, but he still got them to the goal. Like, it's impressive. And you see Riley out here post uh, Matt Wright uh, struggling to get even close to a championship Sunday. And you can't help but think that that gap is widening. And I think that the real question is, who's the better men's doubles player today, J.W. Johnson or Riley Newman? Well, I, I, had, uh, I didn't actually talk to you about this before I wrote my, my takeaway about Ben versus Riley. And I, I didn't ask you, like, what do you... I, I'm trying to also think, well, you know, Riley, I'm watching him play. He, he never has the best put-away power. And I wondered whether his lack of like true natural put away power, if you look at the three best men's double player, Ben, Riley, and JW, Riley has the, the least put away power of those guys. Does that limit him in his ability? Like he's so good, right? He's got amazing hands, got great pancake. He's got amazing two hand back end. But does that limited power, again, relatively to the top male in the world, 
does that and, and relative to other top men does that make it harder for him to be the best player in the world like this is that one thing that is holding him back beyond like partnerships and other things do you do you, do you think so i think undoubtedly it is and i think the other thing i really wonder with riley is is he working hard enough you know i know he got a personal trainer i think at some point last, last year. year and that's probably helped him but you know i don't know i haven't ben is always adding stuff to his game we see it all the time what was the last thing that Riley really added to his game? He also moved to Dallas, which... Who was he training with? Um, training with Jack Sock. Jack doesn't live in Dallas. Oh, yeah. No, that's Charlotte. Right. Yeah. yeah so, I'm like, my question is, is Riley working as hard? You know... Sometimes we can actually be hard on Ben, but it's pretty clear that Ben is always thinking on and developing and improving his game. I don't see those same improvements in Riley's game, and I'm not sure what he is doing. You know, like, I think he's just out there and he's relying on being more athletic than his competition, but as the game gets more athletic, I actually question where his... Uh, spot in the game is going to be. I, that's that's why I wonder if he is falling behind a bit. The the one thing I'll say about improvements to his game is I think he's just gotten he's been forced to get better, and I don't know how much he's working on this, but the Johns brothers forced him to get better with his speed ups on his forehand and his ability to do stuff because they just keep dinking middle to that forehand when he's on the left. So I think he's gotten better there, and I think he's gotten over the last couple of years he's become more of a an initiator and less of a i just rely on my hands to counter so i think there has been growth but i don't think it's the same level of growth as what ben does which is like i mean to to basically play with like colin who is you know at first he's getting lobbed by by gabe and jay so he has to start standing you know eight ten feet behind the kitchen at times and then ben can take everything i i don't i don't know what like Riley hasn't made the same strides that Ben has made and he might be falling behind a little bit right now because the game is just getting better overall and and it's harder to win those matches against a Julian and a Thomas by just being like so athletic yeah I I'm starting to wonder I still think he's the second but I am starting to see some improvements in JW's game, and I think there's a question of if there's another MLP draft, and I asked this today, who are you taking first between JW and Riley? Uh, yeah, I, I'd still take Riley today, but I think like after you, you could see a, an MLP event and you're taking... You, JW fell to six, which was, which was, I think, nuts at the time. JW has some limitations uh, as we know in his ability to initiate and things but Riley to a degree has those who's the better singles player we know it's JW I'm not sure at this point in men's doubles that I am not taking JW ahead of Riley I think that put away power and the power on the counters that you alluded to is a huge advantage and uh, the gap is continuing to close and mix. If I want to make the argument for Riley, it's that I know Riley can kind of go out and play with anybody, but and JW maybe doesn't have the energy you want for MLP, but at the same time, Riley doesn't connect with any partner, really. It's kind of why Matt Wright with the perfect partner, because the body language, whatever it was, didn't bother Matt, because Matt's also an alpha who accepted the beta role while also having the self-confidence to just play through Riley's bad body language or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, I, I think those are all really good points. And I just, I can't get there quite yet, but I think if you if we see the first MLP event and it doesn't go super well for Riley again with his weird Christian Alshon constructed team, I, I and it, JW doesn't have the best team either, but I think most teams are flawed to, to some degree. Uh, I I may be on board with your, you know, JW is like, you got 2A and 2B maybe right now. I, 
I hadn't thought of it that way before I saw you wrote it for the takeaways. What's interesting is that I did have kind of heading into the start of this year, Riley and Ben almost as a 1A and 1B. And I thought Riley could actually maybe potentially play with more players than Ben. And that has obviously proved to be a very poor evaluation, I think. You know what I see Ben do? Like when you watch him play, he seems to be able to get more when, when teams are working up on his forehand and his backhand. He is hitting the ball so hard when it's below the net, like farther below the net than anyone. Is that, Am I wrong in that? I haven't honestly looked at that a lot. I think he's definitely with that new paddle getting more on a lot of his balls than he was previously. I can't remember the paddle names, but the new so one. It's, it's the Perseus. The Perseus, I think, has given him a little more velocity on all of his balls. I have to ask you this because I was thinking it, but I didn't. I didn't write it in the takeaways that I was, I don't, I don't want to, you know, Colin, uh, he's not great when the ball, he's a bit of a drama queen when the ball hits him, right? I wondered after seeing, like, did you watch the whole John's gold medal match against JW and Dylan? Yeah, I actually went back and watched the whole thing yesterday. Okay, so when it was, when they got uh, late into, later into game three, Colin was like, okay, I can't... Dylan and J-Dub were doing a really good job just pushing the ball deep on him and then also speeding him up because you can't counter from back there either. Yeah. And and so eventually he goes up to the line and he starts... It seems like... And he stays up at the line the rest of the, for the most part the rest of the match. Is Colin as hurt as he played like all weekend? I honestly think he probably was. I think just because he has the reputation deservedly stole for if he takes a ball in the head or off the net of being done the day. <laughs> I, I think he was. Like, he's not going to hobble around to that degree if he's not hurt. And if it is anything to do with the Achilles, which I think is what was said. I saw a post that he posted today and said bruised Achilles. I think Ben said strained or bruised. I don't know what a bruised Achilles means based on the way he hurt himself. It seems odd, but he says he'll be back for Kansas City. Yeah, Achilles things are generally not something to be played with, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I just I wasn't confident enough to write that for the takeaways. I just thought I'd ask So you, you. just decided to put it out here on the podcast instead? Well, I thought I'd run it by you. Okay. I think your I, take makes sense, but I thought I'd ask you. I think you. we're just going to move on. Okay. I, I wanted to mention one more thing, like in the men's... Well... I, I don't think there's that much more to talk about with J-Dub and Dylan, but I wanted to mention Gabe Tardio because he and Jay beat Fed and Pablo, and then they almost beat uh, they almost beat the Johns brothers. They went they were down 10-7 or 10-6 in the second, but they won the first, lost the second 11-9. Gabe is like kind of a like alpha beta right side guy now. Like he he's got these like lightning quick hands. And I hear a lot about Hayden Patrickwin. Is Gabe, like, right around where Hayden is? Like, should Gabe, like, are they about on par and Gabe just doesn't, like, look quite as cool as uh, as Hayden so he doesn't get enough love? And Hayden's got a few more results, not recently, but he had the MLP run. He's had a couple other, like, kind of podium-type stuff. Gabe, but uh, Gabe, I think, is there. He just maybe doesn't have the cool factor Hayden has. And I know I talked about it not this week, but last week's takeaways. One of the worst decisions may end up being that J.W. Johnson MLP team going with Colin Johns over Gabe when when J.W. wanted Gabe. And it sounds like there was some weird stuff in the draft room with Columbus where maybe they hadn't wanted Maggie Brasha. And it's ironic because generally I think that owners may be too reliant on players at this point for things, but I think them overruling the Gabe pick to go with Colin Johns, who is at this point a right thigh men's double specialist, may end up being the costliest um, move of the MLP draft. And it's also ironic because it shows what progression happens. 
I was very critical of when JW's team took Gabe in the first MLP draft, and I didn't think in either of the first two events Gabe really looked like he belonged at the premier player. And now, based on his last couple months, I think he's clearly a premier level player. And it's going to be really interesting to see if he can assert himself and just dominate the challenger level. Yeah, I'll be curious. He might be best suited at the highest level to be like a... He seems comfortable on the right. And if you can play with top players on the right... Uh, it was it was Jim Kloss was putting he was listing the potential partners for that Riley and he he listed Gabe and said Gabe's not ready and I was like I wonder if if he if he's a guy he's got lightning quick hands there uh, and he can do some stuff and initiate offense maybe, maybe he's like the guy right now that could be I and that's probably stretching it as well I don't think he's probably ready to win goals with Riley Newman but I just I just thought when we're suggesting that Hayden Patrick is as, like, as good to fit there as Riley, I think Gabe might be just as suited as Hayden to, to fit in there. I think that's very true. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we forgot, or I forgot to mention when we were talking about uh, results this weekend is whether uh, with Hurricanes, she had the singles win, but she also got a bronze in women's doubles, which is really impressive because... I haven't been totally sold on the way she plays doubles despite her hands and her athleticism. But it, it also is, is my question is whether Elise Jones, who she got bronze with in women's doubles, and Elise, we haven't seen her at recent tournaments, is Elise an underrated player? And I think, I think she might be an underrated women's doubles player. Or actually, just an underrated player. I, I think, think she's she, a really good mixed player. I think she's an underrated. She's a clearly defined right side player, but she makes balls all day and is tough, gritty competitor. And if you look, she's getting results. She and Riley were making the podium there consistently. I think she's just one of the better right side female players. And I think we're finally starting to see real definition in the women's game of right and left side players. And it always is a tough valuation thing. Like we see it with Vivian David, who's one of the best for sure right side women's players. She's made more podiums that like with different partners, I think, than anybody else this year. But like they don't maybe have the same value, but you need, the, I think, at this point in the women's game as well, a right side and a left side player, which is something we've seen in the men's game for a while now. Yeah, and you saw Callie and Lucy this weekend, right side, left side player. Uh, you have, and then the teams that didn't medal that we both took higher in our fantasy draft previews, Jesse Irvin, Leah Jansen, no medal. They lost to Etta Wright and Lacey Schneeman, who when Etta and Lacey were playing, they also couldn't figure out like left and right. They had Etta on the left and then they had Lacey on the right, or and then Lacey on the left later. And Leah and Jesse, same thing. They were flip-flopping between Jesse on the right, Leah on the left, then Leah was playing the right. And Elise, you're going to get, and you have Hurricane and Elise. Hurricane's going to play the left. Elise is going to play the right, as you said, make a bunch of balls. And Vivian Davis has made her four championship Sundays this year with different, different partners. I think, like, I think that's a really good point about the role definition with the women's game that we haven't seen as much is that you've seen some teams you can just like power through teams. I mean, Annalie and Anna are still doing that, but you can just power through teams, you know, if you had two good players. That was enough, but now it's it's not. It, it matters to have role definition. We see it in the men's game, and I think yeah, I think you're right that we're starting to see it more on the women's side of things. Yeah, and I think part of that too is we are getting more athletic women who can take some more court on that last side and insert themselves. And I think the game, doubles game, is better played when you do have an alpha who's taking more court. But we maybe until recently haven't had a ton of women that could actually do that effectively. So as more of those women come into the game, I think we're going to see more and more of clear left side, right side women in the women's doubles game. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. So we. I want to talk about the paddle stuff that uh, that also went on this weekend quietly under the radar. Uh, we 
talked about it on the podcast last week and brought up that there were a number of paddle challenges of Zane's Pro XR paddle, his signature paddle uh, in Seattle. And there were you know, two separate occasions. The paddle would fail both the first two of the stare at surface roughness grit tests. And then the third time it passed, so based on the PPA rules, the paddles passed on, on both those occasions. And, and the paddle got challenged a number of times. And so you you suspected, well, you were like, well, is something going to happen here, right? What's going to happen? And we talked off air about, you, you actually said to me when we were doing our fantasy draft preview last week, you were like, yeah, I don't, because we were hearing rumblings about the paddle was going to get banned and, and they were telling players it was getting banned. And that, that wasn't, we were fact checking that. It didn't seem to be true. But you were like, and I was like, oh, I guess nothing's happening. And you said, no, I think something's going to happen. I think it's going to be something like the carbon situation. And what and what we have happen? We had uh, the PPA. We wrote about it, so you can go find our article on it. But the PPA sent a text out to its players saying that one that all pro all players playing with a Pro XR paddle had to have their paddles submitted for testing before. Uh, I think it was every match. Yes. And then they also changed the rules for their paddle testing, where they said that the paddles, uh, what would they said that the paddles would have to be tested? Oh, no, I should have I should have had this written down here. Um, do you remember what it was, Jared? Where they had to the paddles would have to be tested pre match. Well, for the Pro XR, it was before every match. Now the paddles have to be tested. Yeah. And then they changed the um, testing standard for all paddles, not just the Pro XR. Right. But in effect, they had to, like, the Pro XR, because so what they said is when paddles are tested before a match, the surface roughness number must be at or below the USA Pickleball standard of 40. However, if a paddle is challenged during a match... So that's post-match testing. The, the PPA's uh, air margin of 43 or 7.5% will still be allowed. So you could go... So if you test after a match, you could make it to 43. And that is okay. And that's legal. But if the paddle is tested before a match, the surface roughness number must be at or below 40. Which means if you're requiring all the Pro XR players to test their paddles before a match, then you're saying, well, you have to be 40 before a match. But... So you have to be 40 no matter what. And then if you get tested after, you can be 43, which is very weird in itself. And they also said that for a paddle to pass pre-match testing, paddles will be tested just once rather than the three times. And if a paddle is challenged during the match, so post-match testing, the paddle must fail two out of three tests to be deemed illegal. So a little bit of a change there from the only... Uh, the, it could just pass once. Yeah, you know, we can talk till we're blue in the face about all of this paddle stuff. I think clearly the biggest issue with the PPA and the paddle stuff is the lack of transparency and a lack of one rule for all. Like, the, if you have an issue, there shouldn't be rules for a carbon paddle, and then there shouldn't be rules for a Pro XR. You should have a clear set of guidelines and rules that play all players have to, and paddle companies have to follow, and those should be published and available when there are paddle challenges. The results should be published. It's just all, it's the lack of transparency that I think creates a lot of the issues and why people like you get worked up about it. And frankly, I'm not going to take any of the PPAs paddle testing that seriously when you're supposed to be playing with a USAPA approved paddle and their star player is playing with a paddle that very clearly is not a USAPA approved paddle. Yeah, and I, I think that even you talk about USAPA approved just before I texted you before the podcast to say, listen to the, the Pickleball Studio podcast with Chris Olson and uh, Pickleball Will. I did do that. Did I did you? my homework. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I just thought it was interesting that Chris said that the, uh, 
paddle that he initially got uh, a Zane paddle. I remember reading his review that he just he was kind of mediocre, lukewarm on the the Zane paddle when he first reviewed it. But now, uh, and he felt it, and it wasn't like crazy gritty or anything but he says he's gotten his hands on another one he has to do more testing on it so he's not a hundred percent on this but he's saying that the paddle is different and will said this as well that the paddle is different than the first ones they tried so is like is pro xr then getting their paddle approved and we we had heard they're layering the grit differently to essentially bypass the testing that's what maybe sounds like is going on well, I think that's speculation. The issue is there's so much unknown when it comes to paddles. We don't know if it's Pro XR has changed something or the factory in China has changed something without them knowing. So I think that really the issue is it's still the Wild West when it comes to paddles. But if the PPA wants to be the preeminent Pro Tour they need to come up with a consistent standard that is enforced evenly among all paddles and all players. Well, because if, if you're just doing it separately, like if it's not Pro XR, it's going to be another company, which Chris, Chris, uh, the Pickleball Studio guys talked about on their podcast. The, the new Engage paddle sounds like it's super gritty. And Ben challenged Yates Johnson's use of the Engage paddle uh, in, uh, at the Takea this weekend. So if it's not them, it's going to be someone else. Uh, if if and that's why you just need consistent standards. So I just I, I it seems like people are a little bit tired of the paddle stuff. They don't care as much because it's the same topic over and over. We're not really saying anything new or fresh. It's just the same stuff that doesn't get fixed, and they they continue to to not do anything about it. So uh, I I don't know if they're ever going to figure it out. You think they they sort of have to, but. I'm uh, it, it's a real topic and I think it, it's going to matter going forward because this stuff like the grit stuff doesn't matter as much in doubles but it definitely matters in singles and uh, I I think they've just got to do something where there's consistency you know at at some point here I agree I've got a couple lighter topics that might want to talk about here uh one thing that from a business standpoint of pickleball, because we see it all blowing up here and all sorts of uh, people with money are trying to get into the game. We saw Barstool started a pickleball account on Instagram and on Twitter this week. Pretty interesting to me that they're, they're getting in. We saw that they were actually starting to host tournaments before this. Barstool, Barstool knows what they're doing. Well, it's interesting because uh, they did host their first tournament this weekend, and I did. I know it sold out really quickly, but I didn't really follow it or see how it went. But what's interesting with Barstool is I don't know if you saw it. They actually were reacquired a hundred percent by El Prez, Dave Portnoy, their founder today, and from Penn uh, Gambling. And what's interesting about that to me is actually I think they may be more interested now in pickleball because with uh, Dave basically got a sweetheart deal where he got the company back for free with some restrictive gov covenants which is probably going to heavily restrict what revenues they can take from gambling um, companies and then he but as a result they're going to be looking for more revenue streams especially with not having the pen cash and we know they have the barstool classic golf tournament which sells out and is a great revenue source and pre going all in on gambling barstool relied heavily on putting on events for basically usually men but young people in that 18 to 35 demographic and if i they sold out the first tournament and they're already talking about doing more i think they're probably going to try to put on a ton of events here and it's going to be interesting to see how they do with that and what those look like but it could honestly be a game changer for uh, pickleball and it's also interesting because they probably will run it all on their own platforms which is something that's very unique in the pickleball world while also catering to a very different demographic yeah they they clearly see something in the space here 
and I I don't think they're they're wrong to see an opportunity here. Uh, it's because there's so it's really polarizing when stuff goes on online, and I'm sure they're already finding it when they're posting clips online. I don't know if you saw that uh, this CJ Fogler. I followed him for years on my like way before because I followed him because he used to post a bunch of hockey clips like NHL stuff. Yeah. And and he posted just a clip of some people dinking, and of course, all the pickleball people want to defend it and compare it to someone dribbling a basketball. But other people are like, "What is this crap? Like, what is this stupid sport? Nothing happens." So, like, you know, the optics of pickleball are it, it, when you watch it and you turn it on for two minutes, you might not see anything. But I think they've got to be banking on the participation and just the massive interest that is being. Like that is that is happening right now, and the growth that is happening, and, and and hoping that that's another avenue that they can take. For sure, I'd uh, bet by them, but and it's interesting because I did wonder if they were starting to lose their relevance a bit in that key demographic. But given the ownership change, I think they're going to stay very relevant. And if they do push the pickleball, it could really increase the growth of that demographic and i think especially your 18 to 35 year olds and younger actually yeah, i i don't follow the barstool stuff like you do like i don't why why were they losing it was it because he couldn't they couldn't say stuff with the pen deal they could the right, yeah they couldn't say stuff and like Dave was basically on his way out of the company he was semi-retired oh. basically um they were kind of splitting up some different people they just and their content to be frank wasn't as relevant because it was gambling focused and i think some of the key people had checked out Hmm. i didn't i didn't actually know that about uh about dave portnoy that he was on the way out but he was living in miami and doing minimal work okay well you know, Bar- I, they've got a bunch of things now, and the like. It's totally changed now. I saw that Barstool thing today, so so that's. Uh, I just, yeah, I think it's going to be notable to monitor because there's all like the who are the people that bought the U.S. Open? There, there's other people that are Fenway uh, Sports Group. Yeah, like just because MLP, PPA, APP are in on the game early, it doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't guarantee long term relevance for sure. No, because other people are other people are trying to get a piece of the pie as well i have one other just kind of fun thing and then i want to talk briefly about app stuff did you i sent it to you so you saw it obviously i won't ask the there's a match uh battle of the sexes singles match that was announced between paris todd and vince van patten who i believe was a former tennis player and he he does some poker hosting i think i think for the world poker tour that did, did they're supposed to happen 2024 I DM'd Vince. I didn't get a response on our on our Instagram. I asked. I want to know how much the prize money was because that's what you asked me, and I had no idea what the prize money. But they're going to play a singles match, which I'm actually curious to watch. Uh, he's I think he's in his mid sixties now. Van Patten is, but I'm I'm curious to watch Paris play Vince Van Patten. Like I I would watch that. I've got to admit, this has you a lot more geeked up than me. I can <laughs> honestly care less. I was curious what the prize pool was, but that was about as far as my interest went. Okay, well then, maybe not a fun one to talk about. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, if it's for some money, I think it's interesting. Sure, I just honestly I haven't seen Vince Van Patten play. I don't know. I think he's a senior pro. Like, kind of, well, anyone's a senior pro. Like, I think he gets his. Actually, I haven't looked at his. I think he's, he gets some senior pro wins, but. Had some okay partners, but haven't looked in the results deeply. Uh, it, we mentioned like AP- where would a senior pro rank in the Canadian pickleball league? <laughs> <laughs> I think they wouldn't be well among among the senior pros playing or the senior four fives playing. Uh, they probably wouldn't be the worst. That they might be depending on who you're talking about. Are you talking okay. all top? I think Altaf would do very well in the Canadian National Pickleball League. I think he'd be very good. He, he might be. He'd probably be like a top three player, wouldn't he? Men's player? I think he'd be number one in men. I'd have to go through the list again. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. We probably should just move on. This has gotten <laughs> a little too niche. <laughs> uh, APP, they had the English Open, which was... Also, a- sorry. Top, he would be the best. Yeah, okay. No, that's no question. I think he'd be the best. 
Uh, the, the English Open, powered by the APP, uh, was this one. So not affiliated with the APP. You were like, I sent you, like, I sent you a bunch of lists of things that we might talk about. And you were like, I, I didn't follow it all. And neither did I. I, I saw like some social media things, but you couldn't find the results on pickleball brackets. They were though streaming it more than the other ones, like on I think what the APP channel it was being streamed. Yeah, they just put it on the APP stream because I think the English Open channel was streaming it, so I think they stream the same thing. Okay, I, I wasn't I, sure. I just thought it was ironic that this was the APP tournament that we could actually watch. I I was curious enough. Uh, at the end of certain days, like this weekend, I would just like go through and see how some of the matches were going. Like some people you knew, like Ryler DeHart was playing with like Nick Pearson. I wanted to see. I think the level is actually better in England. Some of those English guys, I think the level bears like not too bad, all things considered. But it's, yeah, irrelevant, I think, really. Yeah, and it was like almost impossible to find results, I guess, unless you wanted to click through the stream to find them yeah yeah uh st louis open there's another there is an app this weekend and it's st louis i think yes did you have anything that you wanted to to mention from there i thought there's i i I actually enjoy following the apps i wish we could watch them because there's there's always interesting like there's interesting people interesting partners playing together yeah it's the same old story there would love to be able to watch it but can't so i'm not sure how you remain relevant when we can't watch it but don't worry we will be doing a fantasy draft as always um were there any partnerships that caught your eye uh there were a couple of partnerships that caught my eye i oh so leo now i'm going to give away my 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 draft secrets but lee whitwell is playing with this girl quinn gleason in women's who i looked her up and she's had like a full she has a lot of matches. I think she's gotten as high as like 132 in the world in doubles. And she's in the 300s in, in singles. She has a, like a career record in singles of like 132 and 111 or something like that. But I just thought that was interesting in a field that's open for, for women outside. You've got Simone in Paris and uh, Megan and Susanna playing women's. But Megan Fudge and Susanna Barr, you've got a bunch of teams that aren't really like definites to get a medal that you've got uh lee whitwell seems to be playing with newer players she's focusing on that this year i i thought that was interesting has she played any pickleball tournaments before i honestly didn't look that up i i (laughs) just i just googled her name in tennis saw what came up glad we did our homework (laughs) on this one alex Trong is playing with tina pisnik the uh, blqk challenger challenger team i think Tina had a... She, she's looking strong. Like, she's in looking terms. really good. And Trong, we're lower on Trong than a lot of people, I think. She went way too high in the draft, I think. I think when you look at how some of the women who went behind her are performing, it's a questionable pick there. Yeah, and I, I think that... You know, I don't know where her upside is. and But Pisnik is really good, so it'll be a good test for them, like a challenger test. And you're seeing these these teams get put together i you know for uh for for mlp practice i think these teams are getting put together i don't know if this would have been a partnership had we like had they not been drafted together for sure and it's smart and i think that teams are wanting this i think in challenger it can be tricky at times if you've got kind of ppa contracted players and not but yeah, and I think like this APP has one of the softest. Like we're seeing really bad singles fields in these APPs now. There's Hunter and Yates, and then there's like nothing really. There's no names of you know of of note really. Yeah, it's interesting. Last year the APP seemed to have way deeper singles draws, but it seems like everybody in the like especially men singles is just committed to playing those PPAs. Which are, they're so deep, and I, I still wonder if it's going to switch a little bit with the, the way the backdraw is going, or maybe people just want to play at the best tournament and they don't care. They'll go play a qualifier, and you know, you, you actually have a real shot to some of these guys. You can medal at these APPs, but if your sponsor's not going to pay for it, and I think that is something sponsors aren't 
seemingly willing to pay for a lot of these APPs. And that's, I think, a big part of some players' decisions. And part of that is probably what exposure are you getting playing an APP these days? Uh, Yeah, I I was going to say, is that a little short-sighted from sponsors? But then at the same time, it's like, well, if you're going to play singles, you're not going to, even if you get a bronze or a silver, you're not going to get streamed on, like, unless you make it to Sunday, there's no stream. And if you play mixed, you're not going to get streamed. So I think, you know, so what's, so what is the point on their end? So I, I, I continue to think their decision is wrong and on, on not streaming. Yeah, it's obviously something we're not going to see eye to eye with the APP on. Yeah. Uh, couple interesting men's teams as well. Why? I, I think this is interesting because it's not that, it's just not as strong a feel, but like Wyatt Stone and Johnson Cole are playing together. You know, curious what a team like that can do. CJ Klinger and Andre Mick. Andre Mick has got that Pro XR paddle and he's been on the rise. Like this is, I would say, has to be a better partnership than Jason McNulty for him. So it's a right side guy who he can play with. Like, can they can they do anything? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I'm presuming on the APP, there'll be no issue with playing with that Pro XR. No, I don't think there's paddle testing there. We saw them t- with it, Shelby Bates paddle that they <laughs> did the uh, hand uh, deflection test on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they should just in those situations say we don't have paddle testing. We can't help you at all. Yeah. They also, I think, did uh, take away Dave Carvello's uh, famous. Uh, oh, right. They took away Dave. They took away Dave Carvello's paddle, his delaminated de- de- paddle. That was unfair to Dave, who was using a clearly delaminated paddle. I think it's problematic when two different podcasts' favorite topic was talking about your <laughs> delaminated paddle. It's tough to keep that one under the radar. Over under six months until Dave gets a medal in a pro tournament. Over. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an easy answer. Yeah, that's, that's all I got for today. Good job by you, bud. Good job by you. We It's National Pickleball Day, so it's fitting that we delayed our podcast to do on a Tuesday for National Pickleball Day. And we just ask you, thanks for everyone for listening and supporting the blog and the podcast. Uh, just follow us wherever you can, social media, uh, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, Instagram. You can subscribe to the blog. You can subscribe on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Give us a review, all that stuff. And, and read the blog. We've got, you know, we got takeaways from the week. We, we had a number of, of, of articles and we'll have our fancy draft preview. And, and we'll even still probably live blog or live result the, the APP St. Louis Open because we're crazy people. So, so that's uh, until next week. Uh, that's all for now. Thanks, everyone.